I'm Wayne Epps here with Zach Joaquin. Uh, we're here with another episode of Ram Talk with our RTD. Uh, it's getting down to the wire here. We're going to break down uh, VCU's last couple games against UMass and St. Bonaventure and look ahead to the regular season finale on Saturday against St. Louis. Um, so, yeah, just to dive right into the UMass game this past Saturday, it was, it was kind of defensive dominance for VCU um, going up to Amherst. Um, it was a kind of an interesting trip for them. They had a snowstorm up in up in Massachusetts, so they left a couple of days early, or a day early on that that Thursday for the game. Got up there and practiced on Friday up there, and then uh, played really well, even though they were um, there an extra day. Um, UMass is one of the, the best three point shooting teams in the in the league. Um, uh, they make uh, league high nine point seven threes per game. We shoot thirty seven percent from three. Uh, VC held them to just uh, 50, about fifteen percent from 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 deep. Um, they held their, their leading score in conference play. Rich Kelly scoreless. Um, this is overall just kind of dominating defensive performance for a team who obviously has played great defense all year, but it was one of the, I would say, highlights is from a defensive perspective of the way they play in that game. And it's something that we've seen from VCU, I think, of the Mason game, and I think of the conversation going into what we all hoped was going to be the NCAA tournament last year. Obviously, that never happened. Um, but with the Oregon game, a, a team that relies heavily on the three-point shot, um, so does Mason, so does UMass. VCU, with how good that three-point and perimeter defense is, can make those teams look really bad sometimes when they're not hitting, and, and that was the case with UMass. Yeah, yeah, just extended extended scoring droughts. Um, really, in that first half, it held them to twenty five point eight percent overall shooting from the field, and um, had, had a big time um, halftime lead. UMass did outscore VCU slightly in the, in the second half, but VCU already had that uh, that big lead. They were in so cruise control and, a little yeah, bit, yeah. And never, 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 obviously seriously threatened there. Um, one of the big things, obviously, the way VCU likes to create their offense is off turnovers. They had twenty seven hundred points off twenty two UMass turnovers, and. And that, that, that win was important in multiple ways because, one, it locked VCU into that top four C, which obviously every team wants to get that double bye in the A-10 tournament, which is so important um, to cut your path to an A-10 title. It's so hard to string year. enough wins together if you don't have that double bye. It's exhausting Very. to try and go all the way through the A-10 tournament. Very. Um, which is funny enough, you know, VCU, their, their one eight to tournament title winner they did get back in yeah. 2015. They they did the, the four day four wins in four days, but that's that's so strenuous to do um, to play four games in four days. So if you like you said, if you're able to cut that that uh, by a day and, and cut it to three days to get to the eight to um, final, then that's huge. Uh, so they, they locked into that double by, um, still sitting in second place here. Also was Mike Rose's 100th win at VCU in his fifth season. So um, now after seems like two, he just took the job, man. That went by fast. It did. It did. Um, so. So, um, so after that, he was 150, which is kind of weird. Like, <laughs> you know, it's kind of uh, 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 50 more wins and then losses exactly. And then obviously after Tuesday's one-on-one and, and 50. Um, and then uh, and on an individual individual level, Keyshawn Curry continued yeah. his torrid pace, uh, finished the uh, month of February with 18 points, and he averaged 14.4 points overall. Uh, in the month of February, just by far is his biggest month of his career now as a senior. So he can he continued that. So we can't talk enough about his explosiveness. Yeah, going to the rim, <laughs> he's so much fun to watch. And it seems like when you get objective commentators, maybe don't don't see VCU day in and day out. They you hear a lot of oohs and ahs about wow, this kid is explosive going to the rim. because um, it 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 turns your attention. Um, and when you're an objective observer watching that game, I think that's one of the first things from VCU that pops out at you. Yeah, so fast and and, and can jump out of the gym. I want one of the standout plays that's sick of my mind from the UMass game was uh, a dunk that he had on a fast break, throwing it down with one hand, mm-hmm. like just cruising out. I would have loved to know how fast he was going. <laughs> like, I know some some uh, some athletes in certain sports were like, little trackers that tell you like exactly. Yeah, you how see fast. that a lot in soccer, right? Yeah, I would have loved to see how fast he was going on that dunk because he was flying. But um, but yeah, it was not a big game for him. So um, you know. 
it was a seven straight win heading into a Tuesday matchup, which was a, another big time matchup against St. Bonaventure. Uh, another of the teams that was considered one of the top in the league heading into the season, and that made VCU look really bad earlier in the season up in Olean. Yeah, that was that was one of their their worst losses of the year, worst losses in a while. Really, they lost by twenty up there um, at St. Bonaventure. Um, this matchup back at, at home, um, Keyshawn Curry and Vince Williams talked afterwards that Mike Rose um, really brought up that last loss in January mm-hmm. uh, a lot heading up to in that game, just saying that that wasn't acceptable, uh, losing by 20 to them. And um, and it was different circumstances, obviously. This Tuesday, they were uh, Tim Bodiford was out without Oshun Oshunui, who is one of the best players in the league. We Mike learned Rose that right before yeah. game time, too, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he rolled his ankle pretty bad uh, at, at St. Joe's on Saturday. And um, so it was kind of a day-to-day or game-time decision heading in. And, and um, so he ended up coming out, um, you know, in street clothes. So we, we saw he wasn't going to play. But And a rim protector like that is can be such a huge piece strategically to how you attack a game offensively for VCU, right? It yeah. just seemed like they had so much joy in the lane and the paint getting yeah. into the rim than they did up in Bonaventure, and he's obviously a huge part of that. Yeah, 100%. Um, so, yeah, he, he, he's, he's critical to, to what they do. And, um, you know, just – uh, Mike Rose talked about afterwards like when, when backups are starting you want to go at them and so mm-hmm. that's what they did like mm-hmm. you said scoring at the rim dunks, layups everything they could um, to, to try to score inside and end up outscoring them 44 to 30 in the paint I rebounded them by 11 40 to, th- to 29 um, so it was kind of dominance inside without that, that key piece in, inside so um, you know that extended the win streak to 8 um, and uh, you know kind of keeps VCU alive for that, that rugby season title um, uh, Davis ended up beating um, George Mason last night so they're still sitting there in first place um, but you know the, the, with the, some of the tiebreakers uh, if if um, Davidson was to fall to Dayton on Saturday and VCU wins at St. Louis and they both finished uh, with the same league record uh, VCU would be their, their rugby season champion because of uh, uh, VCU would have a better winning percentage against Dayton which is the, the highest common opponent so okay. so uh, with that win it, they kind of stay alive in that, that, that uh, rugby season title race I spoke too um, soon two weeks ago when we were talking about their at-large chances and we were, when we were saying they probably need to win the A-10 tournament um, to get into the NCAA tournament. And that's not the case anymore with how hot this team is right now. They are on the right side of the bubble, but they're still very much in the conversation. If you lose at St. Louis um, and then get an early exit in the A-10 tournament, then the at-large bid would probably be on life support. But they're in a really good place. To, if you get that win at St. Louis, um, then they're going to go into the A-10 tournament feeling good about their at-large chances. Yeah, I agree. And, and at St. Louis, game that's a, that's a quad one opportunity which is obviously huge right now they're, they're two and two in those games the wins were um, at Dayton to begin league play and at Davidson when Davidson was ranked 25 the losses were to Baylor and um, UConn in, the, in, the, in the Bahamas um, but you know obviously those quad one wins are the most value we can get mm-hmm. so getting to finish the season with the opportunity that, that's big for VCU because uh, St. Louis is 63 in the net um, you know top 75 on the road is a quad one so that's, that's a huge opportunity um before we move on to the bracketology, I want to talk real quick about Vince and Keyshawn some mm-hmm. more. Because um, Tuesday was was their last uh, home game at the Seagull Center. Um, at least definitely we with think. Keyshawn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Keyshawn um, mm-hmm. said last week um, that he, he doesn't think he's going to come back for the extra year. Vince is still thinking about it. Um, and they had their senior day festivities last week against George Mason. Mm-hmm. But Tuesday was kind of their official last sort of... Uh, uh, In front of the Seagull Center crowd. Yeah. yeah. So they got the traditional, you know, uh, they checked out both late in the game. Keyshawn mm-hmm. kind of waved to the crowd. Kind of standing ovation. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, we got a chance to talk to them a little bit about, about their careers after the game. And both kind of funny enough, we're just talking about how fast 
how fast it goes by, which mm-hmm. I think anybody, you know, their collegiate experience would probably agree with just how fast those Absolutely. those four years can, can fly by. Um, but I think what, what's cool with both is just, like, the patience that both have had throughout their careers in different mm-hmm. ways. Like, I think the patience showed up with Vince and the fact that he had so many injuries throughout his career. He had, you know, two off-seasons that really were kind of evaporated because of shoulder surgeries, uh, he's had concussion, broken hand, uh, ankle injuries, all kinds of things. And he's been he's a kinda, warrior. Yeah, and pushed through to now be a leader of this team and, you know, uh, in the conversation for, I think, 18th player of the year, definitely a lock for first team, I would say. Um, Keyshawn Curry didn't play hardly at all his freshman year. Um, mm-hmm. Had some struggles with consistency on the offensive end and now being, you know, again, you know, average 14.4 points in the month of February, being one of ECU's go-to scorers now. I think that that's huge for him and, um, one thing I thought was really cool, um, they were asked after the game, just like who, when they came in, were big influences on them, like older mm-hmm. players when they came in. And they both immediately said Darianti Jenkins, mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of just with Darianti's mm-hmm. demeanor and just always positive vibe uh, that he brought to the gym. And, uh, uh, you know, Keyshawn said that he still talks to Darianti and also Xavier Jackson, who was one of, an oh. older guy on, on those teams, too. Um, he talked to them for hours just about, about, the, about his game, and they kind of helped keep his spirits up. So I thought that was, that was kind of interesting. That's interesting about Xavier because Darionte, yeah. obviously a big figure in, in, in the VCU community in the last few years. Xavier, not so much, so that's interesting that he had such a significant influence on them. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Because he was a guy, you know, he, he didn't get a ton of playing time, you know, during, when he was here. But um, and it seemed like a little bit more on the, on the quiet side. But I guess behind mm-hmm. the scenes, you know, he was, he was a guy who was kind of, um, as Keyshawn Curry said, sort of a big brother. Uh, for them when they came in as freshmen. So it was interesting to see it or hear, hear them talk about the, the influence that those, those guys had on them. So. That's something you love about this program a lot. I think back to Michael Sims um, yeah. and a couple years ago when he was kind of showing people around <laughs> the city and recruits yeah. when they were coming in. And, and it seems like you, everyone talks about it being a family within their program. Mm-hmm. And that sounds pretty cliche, but I think at VCU that's, that's certainly true. And you see that when you see guys leave and, and, and go play pro, maybe even go play overseas and they are still in contact with current players mm-hmm. and still mentoring them. Um, which is not something that they have to do yeah. by any means. You know, that's just by their own volition. And so that's awesome to see those connections stay even after guys leave the program because that's, you know, the foundation for strong relationships in a program yeah, and longevity. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think VCU has kind of become that summer destination for a lot mm-hmm. of a lot of VCU, former VCU guys who still come back to use, use the um, basketball development center to train mm-hmm. during the summer. Um, pros coming back, whether it's, you know, Briante Weber, Torian Graham, um, I'm sure Bones will be back at some point. Mm-hmm. You know, just all those guys o- over the years. Um, Brandon Rozelle, when he was still playing, now obviously Brandon is on, on his own staff at VCU. But when he, when he was when he was playing really well overseas, he would come back in the summers and uh, so many guys. And so you know, the current VCU guys who are in town um, doing their summer training program, the eight week training, they get to, a chance to like pick their ear of the pros, play pick up against the pros. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a big part of this um, VCU's culture of just like those former guys coming back and, and getting a chance to kind of like lend some pointers to the, to the current guys. So that, that's, that's huge. Um, and it, st- it still happens, obviously, informally, too. Like, Keyshawn talking about talking to Darionte and Xavier on the phone for mm-hmm. hours. So, but like you said, that, that's huge. And that carries over generations, too, right? Because yeah. now you would think that Keyshawn and Vince will be those guys for the yeah. next group of guys coming up. Yeah, 100%. Like, which Keyshawn said, um, you know, he was asked, you know, a couple weeks ago about um, the plays he's been having recently, and he said he wants to leave a mark for guys like Ace and others to remember him. So uh, he's already thinking about that legacy, which, which is huge. So um, that's big. Um, <clears throat> so moving on to some of the, the bracketology things, um, you know, as you talked about, VCU is like squirrely on the bubble. Like, you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, they're not safe for sure, but it's definitely fun to talk about because, like, they're, they're, they're about as bubble team as bubble team gets at, yeah. at this point. So, 
Um, you know, one, one of the premier bracketologists, obviously Joe Lunardi at ESPN. And um, after VCU's win over St. Bonaventure on Tuesday, he moved them up from sort of his next, next four outs to to the next four outs. So he has like a first four out. It's hard to out. keep track of the tiers. <laughs> yeah, there's a bunch of tiers. He has a first four out. He has a next four out. Then he has a next, next four out. So VCU is in the next, next four out. And now they're in the next four out. <laughs> so they're, they're kind of uh, getting closer as far as his bracket goes. And um, that next four out also includes Virginia Tech and Dayton mm-hmm. and Florida. Um, Patrick Stevens, um, who does some bracketology for Washington Post, he put out uh, a little piece on Tuesday talking about VCU season and about how, like, you can't really judge um, a team's start um, on just where they might be at the end of the season and just talking about VCU's offense improvement over the year. And he has VCU in the field as an 11 seed um, facing Ohio State in the first round. So that's one mm-hmm. that, that has VCU in. Um, Jerry Palm uh, at CBS Sports, he, he updated his bracket this morning on Thursday, and um, he has VCU in the first four. Um, Which <laughs> most programs yeah. would not love to be there, but yeah. I think if you're VCU, that's, you, you don't have a problem with being in the first four because of the history there. Exactly. So uh, I think anybody, anytime you mention VCU in first four in the same sentence, mm-hmm. people, people who know, you know, that their ears perk up. So uh, he, he had them playing on Florida, and they, they would move on to play Texas in the West Regional if they won that game based on that projection. Uh, Andy Katz at, on Instagram.com, he had VCU uh, in the fir- his first four out. But then he had another piece where he had VCU as one of his 10 most intriguing um, bubble teams. And he, and he kind of mentioned that he feels like if, if they beat St. Bonaventure, beat St. Louis, then they should be in um, type of thing. Um, USA Today had, had VCU in their, their first four out. Uh, Bleach Report had VCU as the very first team out. But um, that was published on Tuesday morning. Mm-hmm. And um, their first four or, or their last team in was Indiana. Indiana lost to Rutgers on, on Wednesday in their home finale. So um, you would say that that would, you figured they're now the bubble team that would kind of help VCU's case um, with their their loss. Um, that they Does had. the committee so. typically factor in injuries much? Is that something that they try and ignore? I know that it's been talked about sometimes when you get into racketology conversations. Does VCU lose any credit for that Bonaventure win because Estunier was out? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I don't know if they lose credit um, because of the role that they've been on. Like mm-hmm. for instance, if maybe they were a little bit up and down, maybe you take that injury more into account, but. I think obviously the, the margin of victory it goes into it, but mm-hmm. um, the, the role that VCU has been on, I don't know how much they weigh that injury as much. Um, but I'm glad you brought that, that up because I'm I'm curious how they they factor um, like a Vince Williams injury into mm-hmm. VCU's 30 point loss to Dayton, or you know Ace Baldwin injury into some of the, a couple of the early season losses that VCU had against like a Wagner and a Chattanooga type of thing too. So it'd be interesting to see how that that plays into things too. Um, um, uh, a couple one more other brackets. Sports Illustrated they had VCU uh, in, the, in their first four out too. So as you can see, it's kind of like you half can't and get half. much more on the bracket. Yeah, the bubble, yeah. yeah. They're, they're right there. Um, with still more work to do. Like um, I think they could afford to lose a, a game like against St. Louis if they at least win one or two games in in, in, um, mm-hmm. in DC in, in the A10 tournament. But um, <clears throat> still, even if they they win at St. Louis and then lose on a Friday uh, in the A10 tournament, I think that really hurts their case. Yeah. So. In either scenario, a win or a loss at St. Louis, I think they need to win at least one game in D.C. in the A-10 tournament. That too. first round A-10 tournament game is probably, the, or first round for VCU after the double bye is, is the key right now, right? Yeah, very much so. There is precedent. Um, you know, VCU in 2019, they won 12 straight heading into the A-10 mm-hmm. tournament, won a regular yeah. season title, uh, and they lost to Rhode Island on that first Friday in the quarterfinals. But 
Again, that team uh, at one twelve straight. They, you know, it's not quite eight straight. You know, it's one of those Rhode Island nightmares that VC fans <laughs> have over the years. Yeah, um, and again, VC won the regular season title that year too. Mm-hmm. So their VC was in a little better spot that year than they are this year. So I don't. I I, I think they they may be a VCU this year. Even if they do win that regular season title on the tiebreaker, they can't afford to lose on that Friday in the eighteen tournament to to get in. Just the, the way the bubble is looking right now. So, but you never know. I think um, you know. I think the, the final four team had had worse odds getting yeah. in than this team does and that final four team got in so it's, you, you can never really predict how the committee might swing some of these bubble teams and oh there's always some surprises like either on both sides of the other of the other way surprises of teams that get in surprises of teams that get left out so you never can really predict but um bc can definitely i think sweat less if they win on friday for sure it's fun being in this conversation almost yeah. every year right i mean it can be stressful sometimes but i think being <laughs> a fan of a of a mid-major a team that's right there you know um at the top of its conference most years but you're obviously not in a power five conference and Mm -hmm. so you're right in that bubble conversation almost every year it makes march more fun i think even though it can be stressful many years because you're you're biting your nails down to selection sunday but it can be really fun to be a fan of that program Mm -hmm. because you're looking at the other bubble teams right you're looking at the bid stealers in the conference tournaments and teams that aren't expected to win it and that bubble shrinking is probably going to be something that vcu fans are keeping an eye on over these next couple weeks and who where the upsets come in the other conference tournaments because vcu is close enough that that could be a really strong deciding factor whether they get the at-large bid or not how many bid stealers there are yeah 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 that's that's always icy so i think and this year in particular it Mm -hmm. will be will be for sure uh, so it's gonna be interesting, and like you, like you say, I think it's almost more fun. For uh, I mean, the A ten at this point, it's a high mid major league. Like mm-hmm. it's hard to say it's like a mid mid major league, but it's still fun funner than is you know say a, a power especially five with Boyola team. coming in. Yeah, 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 that's gonna help the league a lot. But I think I think it's more fun to follow you know a team that's like you know a, a mid major. Uh, you know, trying to fight his way in, then maybe like a, a middling ACC team or a middling, you know, Big Ten team that's like, you know, you know, has, has a, not as good of a, a record in, in conference, um, and, and trying and trying to get their way in, rather than a VCU team who's like really had to scrap for it and went a mm-hmm. straight to get in. Like it's fun to see a team who knows their back backs against the wall and, and has performed the way it has. Uh, and it makes it exciting, even though maybe you have to be a little bit more nervous from year to year. Yeah, so. absolutely. I saw a bracketology tweet that I was pulling up mm-hmm. the other day from Bracket Forecast. Um, and this was before the Bonaventure game. But it, it just it illustrates how VCU really is right on that cut line, and especially mm-hmm. going into the Bonaventure um, game. There was still a large range of outcomes here. VCU lost versus Bonaventure and win at St. Louis. You were right on the cut line. Mm-hmm. A win versus Bonaventure, a loss at St. Louis. You were right on the cut line. Mm-hmm. A loss versus both. You're at large was on life support. And if yeah. you win versus both, you had a 75% chance of getting in with the bid mm-hmm. is what this bracketology forecast was saying. And mm-hmm. so that illustrates that you were really right on that line. But the big the big one first was getting the win over Bonaventure, which yeah. they did in convincing fashion. And so they've set themselves up in a fantastic place. To, if you go and get a win at St. Louis now, yeah. then you got to be feeling good going into the A-10 tournament. Yeah, that would be major. That's so. a tough place to get a win, though. Yeah, very, very much so. Um, that's always a physical battle. St. Louis is 20 nationally in rebound margin at plus 6.8. Uh, I, I joke, you know, I feel like St. Louis every year is like a football team. Like they always yeah. have some some big guys who can really rebound and, and, and really scrap it out. Which is giving VCU trouble sometimes. Yeah, yeah, a, a lot of troubles. And especially going on the road, having to go, to go, go out there. Um, but, you know, St. Louis, unfortunately, they lost one of their best players, Javante Perkins, before the season. A lot of people probably remember that. Uh, left ACL tear, um, you know, in their, in their exhibition game that they had before the season. 
Uh, he was a you know, second-team pick last year. He was a, the former um, six-man of the year in the league as well. Um, but uh, Yuri Collins, um, the point guard there, has really taken a huge leap. He's more than double the scoring average, averaging about 11 points per game. Um, he's one of the top assist men in the country as well with 8.3 assists. Um, averaging 2.1 steals, um, so he's kind of become their, their star uh, in, in the backcourt, uh, you know, with Javante Perkins out. Then look at Francis Okoro, a big 6'9", 235-pounder. Um, he won 18 player of the week um, this past week, uh, averaging 10.8 points and a team best 7.9 rebounds. Got to get multiple bodies on him down low. A VCU team that excels yeah. at that, rotating four bigs, probably going to need to get multiple guys down there right. um, to, to put bodies on him and, and, and rack up some fouls and match up with his physical play. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think um, you know, we were talking before the show about um, Levi Stocker III. Mm-hmm. This is kind of a homecoming for him, um, St. Louis native. I think VCU is going to need a, a big game from him because he's, he's their biggest big. <laughs> you know, he's their most stout guy inside. So against a guy like O'Curl, I think they're going to need some big minutes for some shot blocking from Hassan would yeah. be nice too. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Which he had six against St. Bonaventure. It's mm-hmm. a new career for him. Um, and then a Richmond native, Gibson Jimerson. Um, he had battled some injury issues early in his career, but now he's playing really well, mm-hmm. averaging a team high sixteen point one points for for uh, St. Louis, the former um, uh, uh, St. Bon- or former uh, Benedictine and St. Christopher's guy mm-hmm. before he went to Montverde Academy in Florida to finish his, his prep career. But uh, he's playing really well for for St. Louis as well. So kind of a, a Get to play the hometown team for him um, out in St. Louis. Um, and we talking about, you know, St. Louis has been a, a tough matchup for VCU. There's been some close games, but going back and looking, I don't think I quite realized like VCU has won nine in the last 10 against St. Louis wow. still. So if, if, even though there's been some, some scraps and some Seems battles, like a tougher like, matchup for them than that. Yeah, but they, they, they prevailed pretty well mm-hmm. against them in recently, recent history. So, um, so that, that's, that's going to be interesting. And again, that, that would be a huge win for VCU trying to. Um, feel a little bit better about his at-large possibilities heading in. Uh, who knows? You know, this, this could all be for not. Like, yeah. The way VCU is playing, I think they're a legit contender at the A-10 um, you know, title. Absolutely. They won the automatic bid, too. Um, but, you know, if they don't win that, I think a win at St. Louis, help, they feel a lot better about it heading into next week. So, And VCU has been kind of the key to getting the A-10 back in the multi-bid discussion, right, yeah. with how hot VCU has been because Davidson is, is on the right side of the of the bubble, too. If they didn't win the A-10 tournament, they'd probably still be an at-large team as well, right? right. An early exit might hurt them. Where is Davidson in relation to that bubble? Are they pretty comfortably in right now? Yeah, pretty pretty much every every bracket that I've seen, they have them as the automatic um, okay. bid, and so you, like a nine seed or okay. a ten seed. So um, they're, they're pretty solidly in. But like you said, I feel like you know a month ago we were talking about man, it's looking kind of Probably bleak. Like, one big, it yeah. could be a one big league, but uh, yeah, VCU with with the, the one they've gone on, they put it back into conversation where okay, now it could be two. Looks like realistic, it could be two bids. Um, you never know, even three. If Dayton beats um, Davidson on Saturday, they, they mm-hmm. put some on on um, in better spot as well because Dayton is right up there on that bubble as well. Uh, they got the, a big win at Richmond uh, on Tuesday night too. So and a lot of scenarios too, right? I mean, if, if Dayton and, and VCU both push to the semifinals and even a loss later at that point, if they win out up until that point, you could maybe still get three teams in. Yeah. Yeah, right. I agree. So <laughs> I believe there's a Twitter account that's actually three, called Three, three Big, Big League. League. Yeah. yeah, so it's a point yeah. of contention in yeah. the A10 community. Yeah, so that, that would be funny if they actually do get get, get three three teams and um, live up to the league's name. And, <laughs> and I, like you mentioned, I think it, that could become a little bit easier next season once Loyal Chicago yeah, is in. Absolutely. Um, but um, but yeah, the, the, the way things were looking a month ago, if, if the A10 gets uh, three teams in, I think the league office are going to be throwing a party. <laughs> so so uh, so when it, and it's not out of the around the possibility at mm-hmm. all so uh, it's, it's gonna be very fun to watch like hard to believe but selection sunday is just over a week away 
Um, so uh, I'm going to be covering uh, the St. Louis game remotely, so you can follow our, all our coverage on richmond.com slash sports. And uh, we'll be back next week to kind of talk about uh, the 18th tournament and preview where VCU stands heading into that. So thanks for watching. Thank you, guys.